0: back to another episode of dog backwards where we look at live faith and theology from a different angle and today oh uh, first I got to do this everybody's so excited oh my goodness do you hear the cheering in the background that's right we're a live studio audience here at the basement of the Alamo um, none of that is true everything is a lie online now David do you get that reference from the basement of the Alamo you're of the right age where you might get that reference nobody ever gets that reference.
1: No, I don't. I guess I've never seen that one. I mostly see movies, but not that one. Pee Wee Herman, Great Adventure. There you go. His
0: bicycle is in the basement of the Alamo. And so the whole movie is him trying to get to the basement of the Alamo. And the Alamo has I do remember that now. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Uh, Those are like the little inside jokes I throw out there just for me because nobody else has a clue what I'm talking to. (laughs) Um, Today we are joined, and I know it's been a little bit since I've done a podcast. I usually try to do one every month. I've got uh, some new equipment, and I've actually recorded three podcasts, and all the audio was so awful that all of them have been scrapped. So I was like, man, I need to have somebody on, and I thought of my friend David Post. I've known him for many, many years. We have traveled the world together. He has known me since I was probably three or four years old. Um, He was a part of the church that I was at growing up. He's gone on to do ministry um, and many other things, and I brought him on because he has a new organization called porn apart so david thanks for being here and tell us a little bit about what porn apart is
1: well porn apart was started um out of my (laughs) my journey uh somewhat but more of it was my wife's journey with um being married to somebody that was addicted to to pornography Uh, something that people don't want to talk about things that guys don't want to deal with but uh, this really is a, it's a ministry more for wives. Uh, we're starting kind of the men's side of it to try to do some things, but a lot of it is just for wives of men who are addicted to pornography. And what it is, is it's kind of a, a chance for women to get healthy, uh, apart from what their husbands are doing. And so uh, we, have a, we have a weekly po- podcast that we put out um, that my wife does, and we also have Coaching that we're doing, uh, she has a, a one, at least one woman, and maybe a couple of them that I'm um, just trying to help them with their own uh, their own journeys uh, with health, you know, making themselves better, uh, and not so worried about um, trying to trying to do things that that will help the whole family. But uh, she has a, a group on Facebook for it's just kind of like a really um, just a bunch of women that get together on Facebook to to support each other, uh, and so it's just a ministry to help help wives uh, who are struggling with uh, with their husbands being addicted to pornography
0: well how big of an issue is this because it's something that hardly ever gets talked about but I've said I think from the pulpit several times that uh, pornography makes more money every year than football baseball soccer uh, combined right like then all it's, it is the great American pastime. And yet it's something that people just don't talk about very often, and it can be a a very shameful thing. And so I was really impressed and very proud when I saw you post that, like, hey, um, I'm coming out of this addiction. And in the same way that we would have recovery groups uh, for people who are addicts and those who are in some ways the victims of addicts. There's things like Al-Anon for family members of addicts to help them learn how to cope. But there isn't much like that for pornography. So what was it that made you want to kind of come out and publicly out yourself as somebody who had gone through the struggle? That's a hard one because I can't say that I wanted to, but I think on the other side of
1: it, too, it was something that needed to be done, something that needed to be said. Uh, a lot of it was more for my wife. I mean, she really wanted to do this for women she felt like God was calling her into some kind of a ministry like this, and I knew the only way that this ministry was really going to go was for me to be willing to to be up front and be outward. Uh, it was really hard at the beginning. I'm not saying it was it was easy, uh, but I think that it's a thing that needs to be talked about. I think you know you're right. It's it, it's you know I would want to say probably eighty to ninety percent of men deal with it. Women are dealing with it now. Um, people in churches, it, it's more rampant in a church than people want to know because it's one of those things that we feel like we can hide and it, that it only affects us. But as as we know, and even from Scripture, it's, a sin affects other people. It doesn't just affect us. And so, uh, you know, it affects everybody's parts of
0: their lives. I remember when I would go to these youth pastor conferences when I was a youth pastor, and we would all be staying in uh, a hotel. And so the hotel would basically be full of pastors and youth pastors, Um, there were several times where a little pamphlet was slid under the door that had statistics on, uh, pay-per-view porn usage while ministers were staying in a hotel. And it would say something like, um, 60% of the ministers staying here will use porn. And it was kind of like a thing to help like an outreach or like, Hey, this is an actual real issue. But when I saw that I was shocked, I was like, man, I I thought, uh, the pastors and the youth pastors should be beyond this now, but yet it is so prevalent in the church in the same way it is outside the church. Why is it so ingrained in such a big part of our culture that it's also a part of church culture? What happened?
1: I believe the thing is, is that this is a true stronghold of our lives. You know, God created men as, uh, as seeing things with our eyes first. And so You know, sometimes it starts as something innocent. You know, for me, it started when I was probably in middle school when a friend brought their first Playboy. You know, they got their dad's Playboys from under their beds and brought it to school. And, you know, it kind of got passed around to all the guys that knew him. And from that point on, I think it's just a thing that grows within us. Uh, It's one of those sins that just keeps moving forward and keeps growing. And it's one of those things that just – a little bit isn't enough. And so you need a little bit more. And then when that little bit kind of wears off, it's like, I need a little bit more and I need a little bit more. and I need a little bit more. And then next thing you know, it's ingrained as part of who we are. You know, it's that whole thing of, you know, I need a stress relief. And so this is where you go for stress relief. Um, Or I need, you know, I'm dealing with this, you know, kind of like, like you were saying with all addictions, you know, addictions usually are something else than just the addiction, something started it. Uh, And sometimes it's, it, it can be as simple as there may be some some guys out there that are that are very insecure about who they are um, there's some of them you know some of it for me was never thinking that I would get married and so you know it was kind of like well what do I do with the you know the hormones and the you know all the stuff that happens at puberty and it, it just sticks you know it, it and it's you have to decide I'm done and a lot of men don't we just don't want to decide that because uh the endorphin kick we get the the enjoyment that we think we're having from it and it's just there Uh, i also believe it's rampant within churches because it's just one of those things that people are like especially society nowadays more than ever society says oh it's okay this is what you should be doing and the church has been into it the church has been into society you know we're we're really not any different than than everybody else we just for many of us, we just go to church and say, well, we're different because we sat in a pew for an hour and listened to a pastor speak.
0: You know, I remember how hard it used to be to find pornography. I mean, like when the J.C. Penney's catalog would come in for your mother, you know, you would like, right. You're like, yep. there's bras in here somewhere. And that was all you had, right? Maybe a National yep. Geographic uh, magazine. Now. The kids that are growing up in this environment where 24-7, they just have the internet access to the most insane levels of pornography that people could not even imagine 10, 20 years ago. And now that is some of their first exposure, especially through through things like anime and the popularity of anime is one of the things that worry me a little bit because that goes down a really dark road really fast And that's just a part of that culture and they become so numb to it so i think the accessibility is one thing and now christians have it's no longer like you don't have to uh sneak a magazine or borrow somebody else's um every bathroom break is an opportunity for them to have access to that how do they begin if somebody wants to curve that appetite and have some way of holding themselves accountable how do they do that
1: for me, and the thing that I will, you know, even on our podcast, Piper and I had a, a question and answer about some of this, and that was one of the things that was asked by some of these ladies. And the thing that did it for me, and the thing that I will keep telling guys out there, uh, number one in scripture, it says if it comes, you know, when when we allow sin to be in the light, it's exposed, uh, and things can change. And so uh, for me, it took finding somebody that I knew that wasn't going to judge me. That wasn't going to, you know, spread it out there with other people, Uh, you know, as being somebody that was working in a church, that's the last thing you wanted was for people to find out because it's your job. Uh, You know, people think that you have no issues when, you know, I know that, you know, Caleb and we all have our own issues. We have our own sins, uh, you know, and but it took me finding somebody to say, hey, here's what I'm dealing with. I need some accountability in this was the first thing. But most importantly than that, I decided I wanted to stop. I needed yeah. to change, and it was my decision. And I think that's the biggest thing right now That's that I think that more than anything that Piper's trying to teach some of these women on as far as the men's side of it, you cannot make your husband stop. Yeah. There's nothing that you can do. It's kind of like going to somebody that smokes and saying, you have to stop. Until they're ready to stop, they're not going to. Um, and so it, it's a personal decision, and it's a decision that we had to make. And I decided uh, almost two and a half years ago that it was time and that my family was more important, my wife and our relationship was more important than whatever was whatever was being seen on the screen or whatever, whatever thrill or whatever you want to call it that I was receiving
0: from it. So that's very similar to... Like whenever I'm talking with an addict on how they got better, because I've seen people go to recovery group, recovery group, or sober living house, and then they relapse. And all the other people in the house just say, we can't help them until they decide they want to help themselves. And I think one of the issues is, is uh, it's a, since it's so easy to hide, they think it's not destructive, right? They, they don't understand how destructive – Uh, pornography addiction can be not only to their own life, like it rewires your brain in a certain way, but also their relationship. So how was, how was this pornography use? Like what were the negative side effects that came from that?
1: Self-esteem for me, um, my relationship with my wife wasn't where it needed to be because I couldn't see her. Uh, I wasn't worried about her. I wasn't, I wasn't as inquisitive about the things that she had gone through Uh, I didn't really look at, you know, the things that she was going through. What I saw was we had this, like, rosy relationship going on. Everything was great. Uh, And you don't realize that it changes your demeanor. It changes um, your focus. Uh, You know, you're always focused on something else other than what you need to be focused on. It's kind of like I was an absent father and an absent husband because I was there in, you know, in body, but I really wasn't there in anything else. Uh, and I wasn't paying attention to other things. Um, there was a lot of anger, um, you know, a lot of things that, that people, I think, that that they don't realize is at some point um, it leads to depression. And so I've been battling depression uh, from it, and I'm getting help, and I'm trying to get through all that. But I think there's so many things chemically within us that change, emotionally that change, and it, it affects them because your relationship is not the same. Uh, you walk around afraid. You know, that was one of the things when I talked to my wife, you know, um, I was always afraid of this thing being found out, that, that she would get a hold of my phone and she would look through something and find something that she didn't like and then that would start down a path that you don't want to be on, of a fight, you know, a problem, an issue, uh, you know, you just wanted it to go away. Um, and, it, it, and all of those little things add up and you don't realize as the man, you don't realize I'm really affecting my family really, really, really in a negative way.
0: I know when, um, I kind of first got saved and quit doing drugs. In fact, I remember, and if I could just kind of a little personal story, um, you came to visit me during a brief time when I was at OSU Okmulgee and I was studying graphic design. I was going to be an artist of some kind and my dad and you came, right? Do you remember this? I do and you showed up and knocked on my dorm room door i just got done smoking a bowl and i had a pack of cigarettes on the bed and you noticed the cigarettes and you kind of like motioned to me for like hey like cover those up but i i felt so much guilt and so much shame because i had been hiding so much of my drug and tobacco use and all that stuff from everybody um and you had known me as a nice church boy when I hadn't been a nice church boy in a really long time, but I had to put on those airs to be found out. And after I got clean from that stuff, even driving my car, if there was a cop behind me, the paranoia of is there anything in the ashtray, right? Is there something in there that I'm going to get yep. busted for? Because it's hard to remember every secret you hide when you're hiding lots of secrets. When you're living like a fake life, it's hard to remember all that stuff. And so, like, my wife and I, with our phones, she can have access to my phone at any time she wants. I can have access to hers. Uh, A lot of people reach out to me for counseling. If it's a girl that reaches out to me for counseling, I'm like, hey, um, this, this girl asked me this question. Is it okay if I respond? And if she's afraid, like, this person is looking for what I would call an emotional affair. If she's just looking for somebody to be attentive towards her because her husband isn't. Then my wife will do the counseling and i i think we've we've tried very hard to kind of set up those safety rails but if you don't have these conversations at the beginning and if people aren't willing to be open and honest um man yeah it's it's really destructive and you were talking about rewiring your brain have you like studied any of the studies about what pornography does to the brain
1: my wife has. I haven't done a lot of that, but she she's done some extensive stuff, and it really does completely rewire the way that we think, the way that we look at people, the way that we, you know, we even talk at times. Uh, I think one of the biggest things, too, is that you don't, you know, people don't want to talk about is that um, ED is becoming a big, major issue younger and younger and younger in life, yeah. and the studies are pointing back to pornography use as one of the issues. And You know, for a lot of men, that's going to be hard. And a lot of guys, it's hard because they don't, they don't want to see that side of it. But, uh, you know, it's to me, the thing that you have is it's like every other addiction that's out there, you know, alcoholics. Oh, it's okay. You are an alcoholic. But like, as soon as somebody finds out that you've been addicted to pornography, it's like this whole new gambit is coming out of, oh, that's gross. You did that. Uh, And so, To me it completely messes up with your mind with all of that stuff you know you don't know how to deal with it emotionally you don't know what to do um you know and so it it can drive you in different ways and do different things but yeah it it does completely rewire the way that we think um you know we can't look at we can't look at relationships the same
0: well as as a former addict i know that dopamine hit right like like it, it there's a sense of relief you feel good, and then shame comes, and when shame is there, in order to escape it, you just use again, and it's a, it's a vicious cycle. But it's weird the level of shame that is put out there for somebody who says, hey, I'm addicted to pornography because pornography is a part of mainstream culture now even just regular television shows have been pushing the limits for a long time and forget HBO or anything like that. I remember when a a friend says, hey, you ought to check out Game of Thrones. So I was like, all right, everybody's been talking about this show. I'm going to watch, and I watched like the first 30 minutes of it, and then I'm like, hey, why did you recommend porn to me, right? The Game of Porn (laughs) is what it should be called. I was like, this is just high-budget pornography, and they don't see that. I'm like, do you realize over the course of this show how much porn you're going to watch? And they're like, well, it's not hardcore. I'm like, what do you mean that's not hardcore? Like how desensitized have you become that this isn't considered hardcore anymore? How far do you have to go before something's hardcore? And so we we try to be careful. There's a lot of good stories that I haven't seen that everybody else has seen just because I just – I don't want to be a part of that. I don't want to desensitize myself. Um, how did your wife respond when you kind of had those initial conversations? When I decided to stop and be done? Well, I mean, when she, like, did she find out? And, and if this is too personal, I don't. Oh, um, no, no, you're fine. No. Okay.
1: Um, she she found out and she caught me many a times um i told her in the original when we were dating here's an issue and Mm -hmm. you know a lot of times when you you know when you're getting to that point of wanting marriage and you are kind of open and honest with things you kind of feel like some of these things are just going to go away you know it's like oh well i'm getting married and so i have to deal with these things especially sexual things and 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 it's like well everything's going to go away and so in her mind she thought everything was going to go away i thought in my mind oh yeah this will take care of everything i don't need to deal with it and then it it didn't. And so then it was the hiding again. And then she found out about it. And then there was fights. And then she found out again. And there were fights. And so a lot of it for me was kind of a, you know, she would find it out. She would talk to me about it. And I would just kind of shut down Stonewall, as a lot of guys do, because we don't want to talk about it. We don't want to deal with it. We just kind of want it to, to end and be done. You know, we know that. A lot of men, when we have a disagreement with each other, we give each other about 10 minutes, 15 minutes, or whatever, and it just kind of is done. You know, you don't want to talk about it. You know, it's over. But with women, you, they want to be, they want to talk about it. And so as she's talking about it, I didn't want to. And unfortunately, in a lot of ways, when you have those things, it drives you further to it because now you're stressed. Now you're You know, you want that, as you had said, even that dopamine hit, you know, you want the endorphins that's going to kick up with all of this um, because you're trying to calm yourself down. You're wanting to escape what's going on. And so sometimes it becomes that fantasy thing of I'm going to escape this. And so um, it it was never easy, Um, a lot of shame, a lot of trying to hide and cover up and, uh, I think that's one of the things that you'd spend more time doing than anything is trying to cover up, trying to make it seem like to the world and to everybody else, you're not doing anything that, you know, you're not doing anything sinful. You know, I'm a minister. I can't be that sinful, right? right. Uh, you know, I can't have some stronghold in my life because, you know, I'm a minister. And, um, but that's not, that's not reality. Um, reality is that, you know, ministers are, are tested even harder and it's, it's even harder
0: sometimes to get out of it. And, you know, it, it took a long time. I remember when my wife and I started talking about um, and I was I was a terrible boyfriend. So like I had to break up with other girlfriends a couple weeks before I proposed. So I, I was, I was <laughs> she didn't find that out until the first year. So I had all sorts of issues our first year that I had to come clean about. And but before we got married, uh, she says, if you have any pornography, it has to disappear because I will not put up with that and i was like man she like put a red line in the sand really strongly before she would ever even commit to marrying me uh because that had just been a part of every guy she had dated and the shame that a woman can feel as well i can't perform that way or i don't look that way i read an incredible study the other day and it blew my mind it said the average life expectancy of a porn star female porn star is like 37 years old that suicide drugs and i started to think about that i was like um how damaged are these people and when i whenever at our church i talk about gossip i call it verbal pornography because gossip is in is using the downfall of somebody else for your own pleasure and for me when i had to cut that stuff out of my life uh i just started humanizing these people and i was like This is somebody that is so emotionally damaged that they have reduced themselves to making money uh, by degrading themselves and their bodies with a stranger. Uh, And and the more you can humanize somebody else, it's the same way with like abortion or anything else. If we dehumanize somebody, we can do whatever we want. And so one of the things, if this is an area that you struggle with, I encourage you to humanize these people. This is somebody's daughter. This is somebody's son. This, This is... You know, somebody who is so desperate and so deceived by the world, like they think this is okay. Um, Was there any kind of – because I know there's like Covenant Eyes and other Christian uh, software and apps. Did you ever use any of that stuff to try to help overcome? Um, You know, we (laughs) – Just shoo the kids. Yes, I'm trying to. If you ever just see Um, me just kick my leg, it's because there's a kid in my office. No, no. Um,
1: yes, but here's the issue with a lot of them and we haven't, we haven't found what we want to, we want to do a study on some of them, but the problem is, is that some of them are so stinking expensive. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, there's some that are, you know, there's some that may be great, but they're like $45 a month and it's hard for a guy, especially somebody that's dealing with this that maybe wants to get out, maybe doesn't you know, not really sure to say, yeah, I'll spend 45 bucks a month on this, but, um, we put some on there, but there's the, the thing that you deal with is you find ways around it. You know, just like an alcoholic will hide their stuff in, you know, the back of the, the, the tank of a toilet or in a, in their kid's closet or, you know, so that they can find a way around and say, hey, I'm not doing this. Uh, there's always a way around it. Or you find one that, um, the first one that we use, I think, was um, was the one by like triple X church um, oh. that they had out and it was a free one. Uh, but the problem with that one is that all it did was just email somebody once a week and said, hey, here's the things that your friend is looking at. Well, if one, if you're afraid as the person that's receiving these emails to want to, to confront somebody that doesn't work, mm-hmm. secondly, it's easy for you just to change browsers, find one that doesn't fit, that doesn't work with that. Like there's always ways around it. And so we, we looked at a couple of them. Another one was you had to use their browser. And so on your phone, especially, so it was like, okay, well, I can just go download another browser and use that browser and never use the other browser for something I didn't want them to find out about. And so the hardest part with some of that stuff is there's a there's always a way around it um to me the software works only when you have decided that's it you know I'm, and i'm sure i don't know if you if you win or anything but alcoholics anonymous only works because you decide to go you decide i'm gonna go and i'm gonna pay attention i'm gonna do the program so it's that same thing i mean you can put as much software as you want on a computer but you can VPN around it. You can, yeah. you know, you can find other ways around it. And so until you're ready, I don't, I haven't found one, but we haven't, like I said, we haven't been willing to spend the money to find one, but we, we do want to, so that we can recommend one to somebody.
0: Triple uh, X church.com. Uh, I've recommended that one before, and I love their banner. It says the number one Christian Christian porn site or whatever and it's like it's a weird title to say it yeah. really catches people off guard they're like what is this what uh and covenant eyes is one i've recommended before and yes you do have to pay a little bit before but when parents come and they're like how do i protect my kids can i put software on the computer i says if you do don't tell your kids if yeah. you put something do not tell them because whatever technology you can figure out your kid is smarter tenfold on how to get past it And I remember, like, my parents had put stuff on the computer when we were just kids, just as some kind of safety. I was like, "Uh, yep, disabled. You know, I could do it no problem. And so my kids, like, whatever I put on there, they're – like, my three-year-old can play Super Mario really well. (laughs) Like, dude, you're – no, uh, he's two. See, two or three? I have no idea how old my kid is. But he's really good at it. And I was like, okay, so he's already at this level at this young age there's no way that any software I put on there. So I've just got to try to figure out how, how to have these conversations with my kids because they say the average age of exposure to pornography now is the age of seven, which I've got a kid who's eight. So, uh, I don't think he's seen anything, but how do I protect my kids from even being exposed to this? Do you have any advice on that?
1: Yes. People aren't going to like it. Um, you got to start early. You know, you've, you've got to start with your kids four or five years of age, or even younger of teaching them uh, the anatomical correctness of their body parts. This is what it's called. And to teach them that it's their own body. You know, you've got to teach them and find a way to teach them all along the way. You know, the problem that we have is we're like, well, the schools will do everything that we need it to. Well, I'm sorry you get to high school and you can go to your guidance counselor and they'll give you condoms because that's what the schools are going for. And that's what they're teaching is, you know, it's okay. Just be safe. Um, And so as somebody that wants to protect their kids, make sure that, that, that they have no, uh, no access to anything outside of your care, outside of your eyes that you are always right there with them. Uh, You check it constantly. What are they on? What are they going? Where are they going to, Uh, especially early when they don't understand how to, delete the browser history, uh, you know, get rid of cash, stuff like that, where you know, okay, I can figure this out. Uh, there is um, – my wife found a, a software system out there that you can put on things that people don't know it's there, but that's one of those. It's like 100 bucks a month, you know, because of the technology that they've come up with. But for me, I think the thing is you got to start early. You know, you've got to teach them early. You know, one of the things that, that Piper figured out and has learned – and, and this, this may go along with what you said, Caleb, about humanizing uh, the women that are in this, that most of the women that are doing this are being trafficked to do it. They're being forced to make pornography, to make porn, to point, to make porn movies. And so when you start thinking of that, of saying, you know what, that person may have been forced to do this, you know, because everybody is sitting here saying, oh, you know, Human trafficking is wrong. Sex trafficking is wrong. You know, we've got to stop all this stuff, but we don't realize how ingrained it is in certain things. And this is one of those things that's ingrained in it's ingrained in the pornography industry that these women are being trafficked are being forced to make these movies uh, against their will. And so I think learning all those little things, but I think the biggest thing, cell phones should never be in somebody's hands until they, till you know that they can truly appreciate and understand it. Uh, and so Piper and I have been talking about our kids probably won't get cell phones until maybe when they're driving at 16 yeah, because of what these things do and what it opens up, you know, you're right. This thing opens up to the world that they don't, They don't need to see. They don't need to be a part of. They're too young for that. But, you know, because their friends get it, because mom and dad are like, I just need a new babysitter. And your cell phones are the easiest ones out there. They're like, here you go. So you got to keep it in front of you. You don't let them take anything to bed with them. Um, You know, anything electronic, you shut it off at a decent hour. But you have to monitor. You have to be a parent. The phone can no longer be the parent. You have to be a parent. And so it's going to take time. It's going to take effort. And it's going to take some of us, since for some people in this world, to truly start loving their kids to, to change it.
0: Yeah, you wouldn't take your kid to a strip club, um, but you would basically give them a mobile version of that and not pay any attention, right? Like you wouldn't take them to a mall and just say, hey, go walk around if half the stores in that mall uh, displayed pornographic images. But the Internet, like half the websites on the Internet are pornographic. And there wasn't too long ago there was uh, a bunch of cases on uh, some of the major porn websites where they're like, hey, we found tons of child porn on here. And like this girl was trafficked. And uh, I see these news stories from time to time about the girls like, hey, I was raped and I found myself on one of these websites being raped. And so when you go to those sites, you're supporting that kind of industry, and that's that's the reality of that kind of industry. It, it's not some – I don't know. Uh, we have elevated in our culture as this is great. They're just being free, expressing themselves, and it's really easy to sell just about anything as a form of freedom that is nothing more than a different kind of slavery. And that's, and that's what it is. It feels like freedom. Uh, it looks like freedom, but it ends up – becoming slavery uh what's the name of your podcast
1: um it actually is called um apart okay um and we're on on all the major ones piper does it usually the kind of the way it's been going is that there's a new one about every other week and in the weeks in between she does a meditation uh, for people just to to really start just sitting there and saying you know what um we need to you know focus on god and do it through scripture. Uh, and so we've been putting those out and she has all kinds of different topics. This last week, I just fully put one up on Monday and it was just some questions that some of the women had, you know, and she just answered them for them. So you can find us on, you know, all the podcasts, major podcast, you know, ones. And um, of course we have dot where you can find some other information. And so we just really want people to know that we're there to get help
0: my next guest and you guys do a podcast every couple of weeks i'm lucky if i get one out a month Uh, but my next guest is a christian expert on ai and robotics and the reason he's coming on he's kind of got a new book out and his dissertation was on sex robots which is a weird thing to say but that's going to be an issue 10 years from now right Uh, that's going to be a normal part of our kids lives is those things will be for sale and they will look and act and respond in a very human way. And that could be 10, 15 years. I mean, it could be five years from now. I have no idea, but it's, it's not too far in the future. And so we, we want to um, not be naive on which direction these things are heading and figure out how do we, you know, figure this stuff out, virtual reality and all these things uh, just lead a whole new level of access and addiction for, already over-sexualized world. Um, Let me just ask one more question. So do you correlate? Do you think there's a direct connection between the depression that you started having and the absence of pornography in your life?
1: I don't think it was the absence of. I think it was actually, I think it was the beginning before. Uh, I got out of it, but I think the, the, the really what happened is when the shame kind of went away of what I was doing and the reality of how it was affecting so many things within my family, I think that's when, when it really started getting to that point, uh, you know, of course, people around you see it before you do, but to be more open with it uh, and to realize what was going on, I, I can't say, I don't think it was because I stopped doing porn, I became depressed. I think it was more of the realization of what I was doing became real to me and from that became that not self-loathing but just the really the shame finally hit and I think it got to 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 a low point within me and I and like I said I mean I I think some of the chemical things within me changed because of you know what I was doing and how all of that was affecting everything and to tell you the truth, Caleb, I think a lot of it is, is that I was more self-aware because I was no longer focusing on something else I shouldn't have been, but I was focusing on my own health and my family's health. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I can tell you the one thing that has come out of this is that, um, you know, I have I have an app that somebody told me about or I found, um, and it's called I Am Sober. And I don't know if you've seen it, but it's one where you can put all kinds of different um you know all kinds of different things within it and you tell it what day you quit and it gives you the milestones and it tells you how long it's been and so um on may 7th i reached 900 days i'm at two years five months 27 days and in those two years five months 27 days my wife and my marriage has become so much stronger you know i've been more focused on her and able to ask her questions that she was like you just didn't care about these things in my life and to spend time talking to her to, you know to to make things where i want to be with her constantly i want to to know what's going on i want to you know physically be with her and touch her and hug her and you know things like that that you you kind of did to get through because you knew as a husband that's what you were supposed to do but that wasn't my first thought my first thought was okay how can i get away and mm-hmm. so all of these things, I think it's, it's, it's amazing when you start getting there, but, you know, to, to tell the men that are out there, when you start, your wife's not going to be on your side. They're not going to be like, oh, good job. You know, you did that because it's a betrayal, Mm -hmm. you know, and I'm finding out more and more, you know, women look at this as, as adultery and it's, you know, those things, as those things start hitting, That's when depression to me really started setting in even more because it's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that I was doing this and causing my wife to feel this way and my family to feel this way. And it just kind of takes you down this, this dark hole that you're like, man, I've got to get out of this. And, you know, I think all of those things played into it.
0: Yeah, very much is an emotional affair. And if you're pursuing pornography, it's real hard to pursue your wife and once you can quit that and begin to pursue your wife uh you begin to realize they're a, a human being not a pincushion. pardon the language there but that's often the way women can feel treated and so you realize there's a it's that whole humanizing other people kind of thing you rehumanize your wife dave thanks for being open and honest thanks for uh coming on to talk about this if you or somebody you know are struggling with any kind of addiction, but especially for this episode, sexual addiction, uh, when you can take things that are in the darkness and bring them out into the light, they don't survive very long, right? Things like Correct. pornography addiction and other addictions, they thrive in the darkness. They're like mold. And so if you can get the light shined on them. So begin, The uh, scripture says, confess your sins one to another so that you can be healed. And that is the goal is we want uh, to see people overcome these things so that they can be healed uh dave thanks for coming on man it's great to see you it's been a long time since i've got to see you i miss you love you i miss you too man um, yeah uh, we go way back and i'm very thankful for your friendship and i was very glad to see your honesty if you would like to support this podcast you can go to calebmore.tv this is quite frankly one of the best books i've ever read in my life the author is mind-blowing he's just wise and smart i wrote it um and so it's uh, the disappearing garden how to survive babylon when you are made for egypt Uh, your support means a lot to us, especially if you would like me to do one of these more than once every couple of months. Uh, your support is really motivating for me to, to take the time out of my day to do this. But that being said, also don't forget to check out the porn apart podcast available wherever your local podcast is. Um, Dave, love you, man. Appreciate your time. Love you too, man. Thanks. All right. Well, you bet. We'll talk to you later.